0: Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, Let's Talk Learning Disabilities.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Lori.
2: And this is Abby.
1: Welcome to episode 39 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. Today, we have, as usual, a very special guest. We're so excited about our episode today. Abby, tell us who's here.
2: Today, we have Stacey Harari, who has come to join us in our Living With series. And she has come to talk about living with dyslexia, and ADHD, and visual processing disorder. Um, Stacy is one of my very good friends, and she's also a colleague and a professional that works in the field of students with disabilities, so I'm excited to hear more about her story and her experiences. So thank you for being here, Stacy. Thank you for having me. Welcome. We're super excited. We are super excited. So tell us, first of all, um,
3: how old are you? I am 30, no, I'm not 30, I'm 47.
1: (laughs)
2: But you know, you feel 37.
3: I feel feel, yeah. That's good, you're feeling younger than you are. Uh So when were you first diagnosed with dyslexia? Good question. I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was in first grade by a teacher who actually came to my parents and said, I'm not supposed to say anything and I could get fired from my job, but want you to know, I think your daughter's struggling and I think that um, getting her tested for learning differences would probably be a good thing for her because she's really struggling. Wow. So of course my parents were off without information and researching and um, I can't remember if it was Scottish Rite or or Shelton that I did the testing, but was diagnosed with severe dyslexia. Were were you in a public school or a private school? I was in a public school at the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you remember school being hard? I mean, that's a lot. I don't know that I remember much about first grade. It was terrible. It was so hard, so frustrating, frustrating, so much anxiety. Um, I actually, one of my first thoughts about um, school and, and as a child, you know, it was like a, I, I didn't realize that something was wrong, but I felt like it. And so. In the desks in the old days, you'd have, like, the little cubby in the middle where you'd stick your folder in or, or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I had this, like, manila piece of paper that I would pull out, and the teacher gave everybody, like, a number or a letter or something like that to identify um, who the student was, and then she would call out grades for everybody. So I would get my little oh. manila paper out and try to look around to see who smiled when she said 100 or whatever um, to try to see who I thought the smarter ones were or the people who were, looked like they were struggling and I'd write down everybody's grade so I just you know That's wow, crazy. compared so myself in at, at, at first grade Indiana. I just knew there was some sort of I felt different I felt something was wrong something it was uh, yeah I remember that vividly That's crazy. and it was like the horrible deep Pit feeling in, in your, your stomach, stomach, you know, just like, uh, I hate grades. I hate spelling. I hate reading. Were you hard. scared to be called on to read out loud? Oh my gosh. That was my biggest fear. Yeah. I still to this day, you know, Passover Seder comes around and you're supposed to read with all the family. And I'm like, dude, take my spot. You know, <laughs> and then I'll the next person. Right. Um, I just, yeah, it uh, creates a lot of anxiety and it, stays within you for a long time. So do you remember getting therapy? I mean, did they do therapy? I don't even know
1: what we had back then.
3: Yeah, so um, from first grade, uh, got the evaluation and um, I went to Shelton Mm -hmm. from second to seventh grade. Which
1: just FYI, Shelton is a private school here in Dallas that
3: caters to
1: students with learning differences, and they actually have a really great dyslexia program. So mm-hmm. they do.
3: Actually, that's the program I use with my kiddos. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so I was um, remediated, had full remediation, um, and was able to mainstream back to um, ISD
2: to your public school. Yeah, public school. So you were at Shelton for several years. You were getting that intensive dyslexia therapy. Did you notice improvements pretty quickly, or did you start feeling more confident and experiencing more and more successes with reading, or was it a slow progression, and how did that make you feel when you were in that therapy program?
3: You know, I... Um, I don't remember so much, but I do know with remediation, you're changing the neurological pathways of the brain. So as you can imagine, it's a slow process. And as a kiddo, second, third, fourth grade, you know, you're concentrating on, do I have a pimple or who's a cute boy or, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that. So I don't remember, um feeling like I was, you know, there was something different going on and changing with Mm -hmm.
1: me. I also wonder too, though, if being at Shelton, being at a school where everybody had a learning difference, you were, you, the difference between you and your peers was not so drastic, right? So you felt more comfortable. Exactly. But you did, then you didn't notice, notice the changes as easily or as frequently.
3: Right. My parents, I'll say this too. Shelton was awesome at teaching I'll say my parents for sure about what's going on with their daughter. How can I help? What are the expectations? Um, my parents were awesome. They um, wow, well, studied with patients. yes, yeah. and they didn't had they? a lot of expectations, but they weren't unreachable. I didn't feel like, you know, it was setting me up for failure. Um, I'm sure I probably thought they were too strict mm-hmm. for a lot of times, but, uh-huh. you know, um, but they spent a lot of time, so my a lot of time. My mom was better at um, the English part of things, and so uh, proofreading papers and um, grammar and vocabulary and, you know, things like that. I mean, to this day, I will send her stuff and and have her look over at spelling. Oh, God, spelling. Um, and my dad is a financial planner, and so he's good with numbers and kind of what's going on in the world. So, the lesson on integers that I did with my dad was, it felt like it was weeks, but it was something that was so hard for me to understand. Um, but he didn't give up. Neither of them gave up. Um, my brother, funny enough, the little, little jerk, he's uh, 15 months younger than I am. And I don't know how, but not one trace of a learning difference really yeah so learning so, came easy for him school was easy learning was easy I mean you know but he he's such a sweet guy right. very subtle about it never once to this day felt um, less than or that's awesome yeah mm-hmm. I yeah they that were my biggest awesome. cheerleaders
2: and did you feel bad about yourself when you found out you had dyslexia did you feel like there's something wrong with me yeah and, yeah
3: yeah um, I was yeah. It it, it was very. It, I think there was partly a relief because it had a name, which meant somebody else had identified it, mm-hmm. and somebody else probably has it. Um, but it also meant that something was wrong with me, you know. Right. And when the adults would say to me, "But you're so smart," I would think, I, how can you be smart?" And not know how to spell very well, not know right. how to read, struggle so much with everything, you know, academic-wise. Um, but now, of course, that's one thing that I tell my own students is it has nothing to do with IQ. And right, it doesn't. Right. With your you smartness. Know?
2: You how, are very smart.
3: How
1: did you How did you feel about having to leave your school?
3: Um, I, you know, I don't remember at the time, but my guess is, like, most kids, you would just feel uncomfortable about something new. Sure. But I'm. I'll tell you how I felt about leaving Shelton. I was scared to death, sure, Mm -hmm. because I was with kids like me, and I had teachers that understood me. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like a little safe haven to go to. And then I remember freaking. I remember my mom telling me in the front yard we were doing like gardening or something, and she said, "I think you're going to mainstream back to you know regular school." And I thought, "Oh my god, I I can't." Yeah, no, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, I can't do that. Um, and I did have, um, I think they called it resource. So had mm-hmm. special classrooms mm-hmm. that we now call a 504 program. Um, and so I had a lot of support and my parents were awesome too. And they supported me a lot, studied with me. Yeah. So when you went back
1: to your public school, you had that level of support there. So you, it was a easier transition than you had envisioned it to be.
3: Yes, it was. And um, I had tutors and I had, you know, everything that I needed, not... Anything that I really wanted because mm-hmm. nobody wants to do that. It's not right. fun. But um, but it was something that yeah. My parents had it in line for me to to get it done. And
1: it's what awesome. classes were hardest for you then going through high school? Was it always
3: English or history, where all the reading was? Or I would say, well, so like science and history. There's a lot of reading mm-hmm. and a lot of things you just sort of have to memorize as far as dates or names or you know wars or whatever. Um, I came up with a lot of mnemonic devices. Um, I learned how to take notes and how to organize with different colors and highlighters and um, and things like that. One of the actually one of the ways I studied for my um, my test in graduate school. I have a master's in counseling. Would be to get different colors of pens. Um, red was Freud. You know, Jung had like green mm-hmm. and the different theorists um, theorist and for counseling that had different colors and so if I couldn't remember which theorist had, you know um, which saying which or thing. yeah, what I, you know, vocabulary or whatever, I could picture it in my head, oh, it was in green. Ah, you
2: oh it's related to this yeah. guy. That's mm-hmm. brilliant.
3: So you came up with your own kind of coping strategies and I workarounds. on I'll tell you another thing, um we were talking earlier, my biggest fear of doing the podcast was that I would not be able to retrieve my words that I know as as a kiddo mm-hmm. from my that file cabinet in my head, and that I would feel you know like I did as a child less than or something. Because I couldn't come up with the right word. And then you talk around the word and you say things that are, you know, on a on a more childish level mm-hmm. because you can't retrieve the word you want to use. Um, so you still to this day, you said oh you my struggle God. with word yes. retrieval. It's but so much love, anxiety for me. Tell, tell us
2: a little bit about how you how you work around that, how you try to come up with the word that you're thinking of.
3: So two examples for you. One, um, when I was a little one, I don't, maybe second grade, something like that. My mom said to me, and she uses this example a lot, she would say, you know, what do you want for breakfast? And I'm a pancake girl, so I, you know, but I could not come up with the word. So she would say, okay, describe it to me. And I would say, okay, it's two syllables, starts with a P, It's round, and you can put syrup on it. She she would say, "Is it a pancake?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. I want pancakes. (laughs) Um, And so that's how I would get around it, you know. Um,
2: So had my so in your mind, you kind of knew all these different words related to the word, but you couldn't retrieve the actual vocabulary. Yeah, it's in
3: there somewhere. I just you know, people say I I can't put my finger on it, or I'm tongue-tied, or it's on the tip Mm -hmm. of my tongue, and that's what it feels like. It's very irritating. Yeah.
2: Yes, I hear a lot of adults with dyslexia saying they struggle with word retrieval. But I hear that with
1: ADHD with too, ADHD right? Too. Because you have right. a lot in, going on in your brain, yeah. and sometimes it's hard to really sit and pinpoint that one word. Because
2: yeah, and then you get flustered. They're right? all floating up there in your brain,
3: and the minute you get flustered. It almost makes it worse. It makes oh, it worse. God. For right. sure. And I think age is no help either when you it, as you get older. Right? I just said that earlier. Yep. yep. Very much so. It's you look forward to. I, know. Yeah. I know. So
2: you went on to graduate high school and then you went on to college. How was college? Was that a place that your dyslexia impacted you? And did you get accommodations in college? I did.
3: I got accommodations. Good for you. Um, I'm pretty assertive. By my person, you know, my personality is pretty assertive, Um, and so um, I was very good about talking to my professors, introducing myself. um, Hey, I have severe dyslexia. Um, This will date me. I am going to bring my tape recorder to class, and that was (laughs) one of my accommodations. Um, Felt like a big dork, but I was like, you know what? I I more so feel like I want to do this Mm because it'll help me. And so I brought the tape recorder to class and. I had extra time on my tests. Um, and so it was one of the things I would talk to them about, okay? So how do you want to do this? Do you want to just hang out after class is over and finish the test? Do you me to come back to your office? You know, I, w- I wanted to know and be prepared in my mind, you know, how how is this going to work, you know? Mhm. Little control freak, too, but <laughs> That's great. But you were but really advocating to, for yeah, yourself. Yeah, it, it's no one else's, you know. The so Yeah, so I like to encourage my kiddos to do that too.
1: I wonder if ask for what you need, if because your parents were so upfront about your just dis- about your disability, right, mm-hmm. and they were so transparent, and they really involved you in it, mm-hmm. you know, and kept you, you know, you knew about it, you understood it, you understood right. the help you were getting, and I wonder if all of that is what helped you to become such a good advocate for yourself, because even being outspoken and assertive doesn't necessarily mean that you want to ask for help,
3: right? You could be hard. uncomfortable, yeah. sure, yeah. And so, that
1: you had no problem. I love that, and that's mm-hmm. we tell kids all the time too, like you have to start owning this. It's mm-hmm. it's not going away. You're gonna have to mm-hmm. you're gonna have to get if you want help
2: ask for get it in there yeah mm-hmm. right tell them what you need to be successful and so then you went on you graduated college and then what did, did you, you work? do right after you graduated with your bachelor's degree
3: um so actually after i have a general business degree i went to stephen of austin small school mm-hmm. small classes you know you can go and talk to your teachers um I sat at the front. I mean, I knew what I needed to do, and mm-hmm. I did it. Um, Had mom read your proofread your papers? Yes, I found a fax machine somewhere, because <laughs> back in the day, they didn't have fax machines all over, so right. I'd find a fax machine and have my mom um, proofread. Um, yeah, and so after undergraduate, um, funny enough, my brother, who's 15 months younger, graduated the same, I think it was within a week. Of me because he was able to. I think they called it Clep out." Maybe does mm-hmm. that even sound familiar? That right. yep. Okay, of um, you know a semester of classes, and then wow. there was me who need who needed an extra semester. So mm-hmm. we ended up graduating. I think within a week of each other. But um, then I went to graduate school. I decided that I wanted to do counseling, and um, I busted my butt and worked hard. And where did you do? Made that? it happen. It was called Amber. No, it, it is called Amber. That's where right I went, Amberton. Amberton. Yeah. Amberton. Yeah. Okay. Amberton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember That's I right went Yeah. That's so. And cool. it was wonderful. It was also small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know, just it was what I needed.
1: Um. So. So okay. Yeah. Then then I need to know then how you landed doing what you do now because that I mean obviously counseling I think can trends then mm-hmm. across lots of fields. Oh, but, for
3: sure. But tell me then, did you start by being a counselor? I did, I did counseling for, oh my gosh, maybe like 10 years or so, oh, wow! Okay. never in private practice. Um, and I, I got my feet wet in so many areas that I, I was just so passionate about it. I worked at a psychiatric hospital, uh, did adolescent drugs and alcohol, did some marriage and family abuse, um, sexual abuse, um, uh, what else, uh, suicide and crisis. Wow. Um, eating wow. disorders. Yeah. And I, um, I I learned a lot, you know, and, and I saw a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I bet. And I learned how to So you wanted to, yeah. to help
2: people. So I, I wonder if that comes partially from your background of being, being a struggling learner, yeah. needing help, getting the help you need. You were determined to help others feel good and be successful.
3: I think so. Yeah. I, I do like to help if I can. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And then
2: how, so then after you, you got tired of counseling or you decided you wanted to pivot to something else, tell us a little bit about what
3: you do now and how you got to that place. Good question. So, um, yes, from, from counseling, I actually was at my friend Lori's house, who we both know. Um, She is a language therapist and um, I was over during the summer. She had a client Uh, a child who came in and she went into the other room and did therapy with the child reading therapy and I thought that is so cool and that is right up my alley because I have myself had language therapy and have ADHD and dyslexia and I um I want to give this a shot so um I did I went to Shelton and I got my certification through them and um that's what I'm doing now, and I love it. It's awesome. So, yeah. uh, before
1: we start getting into exactly what you do, can you explain to everybody why a dyslexia therapist is called a language therapist? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, that's, I'm curious of that. You know,
3: everybody asks me that so, how many languages do you speak? You know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, none. None. <laughs> just English. Um, it is language based, right? So, we're talking about academics where reading, spelling, um, written expression, you know, getting whatever thoughts you have in your head onto the page, um, which is actually a really big task. Um, so I'm thinking because the background is language and we're right. really looking at. That makes sense. Yeah. And so. Um, and dyslexia
2: is a language-based disorder. Absolutely. So maybe that's It's just why. It's
1: confusing, right? It is. I think that, it's that, a little bit confusing. What's the difference between a language therapist? And obviously I know that an academic language therapist is a dyslexia therapist, but I think for people who aren't, don't do this every day, yeah. Yeah. it sounds like you're going to get, like, speech therapy almost, right. so. And that's
3: exactly what I was going to say, is everybody looks at me, I say, oh, I'm a language therapist, and they go, oh, speech, yeah, my, well, my cousin does that. And I'm like, no, actually, and then I go into, it's more, it's, it is academic-based, and I work with kids, like, with dyslexia, and they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense, mm-hmm. and so they- and part of the the language-based
2: therapy programs that you do, you're also teaching some of the underlying rules of the English language. So maybe that's partially also where the true. academic language therapy comes from or that certification as an right. academic language therapist. Because you're teaching individuals that struggle with reading, writing, spelling, mm-hmm. how to read and un, and part of that is understanding the 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 rules of the English language and right. why certain letters make certain <coughs> sounds prefixes, and certain suffixes. Prefix combinations, words.
3: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm gonna. I, I have a I have a great question because mm-hmm. I just did this yesterday with a, with a parent. I have kind of a spiel on how I explain dyslexia therapy. Okay. I think I'm right. I may be yeah, wrong, totally. but it sounds really good. <laughs> but what I'd like for you to do is explain to me. Um, Well, hang on. So basically what I say is, is that, you know, we kind of teach phonics in kindergarten through second and really generically across the country, we basically teach it the same way. The methods are basically the same. But for somebody with dyslexia it's like learning it in German. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. So through a dyslexia therapy, they're learning those same exact skills, but in a way their brain understands it. So it's like, oh, finally, you're speaking my language. Like now I get it. But what is, so what is that difference? What is different about the way you do it versus the way the regular first grade teacher is doing it in the classroom?
3: That's a great question. So there are different remediation programs. Um, and so you can have different kind of techniques and styles. Um, in the, we'll say, regular or typical classroom, you have a classroom of students, and the teacher goes as fast as, you know, the sort of medium child can go, I guess, or, or the mm-hmm. fastest child, or whatever. So you're going at a speed that um, may not be workable for you. You know, you may not have caught on or processed the information yet. Um, and so with language therapy, um, sometimes it's done in in a small group setting, maybe five kids, seven kids, four kids. Um, I do one-on-one. Um, and so I can, um, kind of gauge if the child is, um, understanding and utilizing what I'm teaching and how I'm teaching it. Does it make sense? That's my question all the time is, does it make sense? Does that make sense to you? And if it doesn't, okay, let's try a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the directive teaching and um, multi-sensory, I like to use a lot of multi-sensory, um, might be different from the typical school. Also, we're learning how to segment and um, pull apart words and put them back together again um, in, in oral form, you know, verbal form, and also in written form. And so it's the, the steps are more tedious and, in, mm-hmm. and intense for the most part, Um, a lot of it is repetitive, you know, when you are teaching a child or an adult for that matter, um, that repetition, I know from my brain anyway, uh, I need that repetition Mm -hmm. to get it into that long-term memory. You know, once you learn something, it's in short-term memory for a little while and it may not get to long-term memory, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that repetition, like we talk about math facts, um, Man, it took me forever to get my math facts down, um, but one of the ways I like to teach some of the, the kids if if you can't memorize something, okay, I mean, let's make sense of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and my dad taught me that when I was young. Is okay, let's make sense out of it. Let's talk about it and make sense out of it. And so the way I like to show them is um, written form, so they can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I use color, and we have our math tricks. You know, mm-hmm. so with twelve. Um, 12 is hard to multiply, you know, because it's a big number. But if we can pull 12 apart into 10 and Mm 2, we got 10 and we got 2, so we can multiply that and then add them back together again. And the kids are like, oh. And you move from putting all of that on paper to putting a little of it on paper to doing some of it in your head to doing it all in your head. And then because you have said you know, six times six is 36, the entire thing, not just 36, you have that repetition, you have the visual of it, you have the written form of it, if you write it on a marker board or something, and then you have also the auditory of it, of your yourself saying the entire thing, and then it just becomes... You know, when you memorize the song, you just know well, the next. Automatic. Yeah, you know the next word because you've you know. and mm-hmm. Well, and helps. you're also
1: reinforcing that the numbers, the number concepts of, of twelve is a ten and a two, right? Yeah, like, mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> yeah. Play, and place value,
1: and I mean, there's so many other aspects that you're reinforcing, but you're teaching multiplication
2: again. Those underlying principles, the underlying principles, which. Dyslexic brains, they tend to, from what I've read and learned and experienced, they tend to like to know the why behind everything. And so... It sounds like you can also not only teach the why, mm-hmm. but you can do it at a slower pace than the typical classroom with a lot of repetition in a very systematic, multisensory way. Direct teaching.
1: Yes. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Good. Good summary. Thank you. No. When well, you talk about multisensory
1: with um, phonics. Right, because yeah. you're basically reteaching phonics. Uh-huh. I have a, like manipulatives for math is easy, right? Like I can come up with a million different manipulatives, but for phonics, to understand how, why the a, uh, why the a says a uh, in this word, but says a uh, in this word, like, how, what kind of, how do you do that multisensory? Like, are, are there manipulatives? Are are you getting the kids? Are they getting their physical body involved? Are they getting? Or is it more? Is it um, verbal repetition? I
3: think a lot of it is verbal repetition and identifying. Um, the method that I use for remediation doesn't really involve coding. That's more of an AP alphabet phonics base. Mm-hmm. I like to include the coding. So when you're sitting across from me and you're struggling with cat, and you're calling it eight mm-hmm. because you're not sure if it's a long vowel or a short vowel. If I can reach across and put a brief a half circle over the A and that um, helps you identify the sound, then, you know, to me, it's just uh, that's how I help a child um, read and understand. It's very visual. Mm-hmm. Very, yes. Very
2: I, visual. Just like your color coding,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's awesome. Visual yeah. sim-
2: symbols. And they're saying it while they're writing it at the right. same time. And, and seeing and it. Seeing it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, involving those multiple senses. Sometimes I've seen therapists work with kids where they also have them trace the letters and the sounds on like a rough surface, like the wall or sandpaper. So they're getting that tactile input. Exactly.
1: So, okay. So, I know at the very beginning you talked about Stacy having dyslexia, mm-hmm. ADHD, and visual processing disorder. Right. So yeah, can we answer the question that. because this comes up all the time for us? Is that we're talking about all these visual cues, right? Yeah. And you like to visualize and yes, but you have visual processing issues. hmm And so for a lot of people that makes no sense. Like how does visual help you when visual is a weakness? But it's they're very different. It is. So talk to us about where your what is the where is your visual processing sit? What is your visual so, processing?
3: Good question. So with my visual processing, so we have eye teaming, Mm -hmm. um, eye focusing, and and eye tracking. That's the other one. I have issues with sort of all of those. And over the years, I've learned how to sort of compensate. Um, So if I've got a book that I'm reading, when I get to the, the end of the line, you know, you come back around to the next line, which is on the opposite side of the page. And and I believe that's the tracking part mm-hmm. of it. Um, a lot of times, I'll reread the the line I just read, um, or it it takes time. It takes more time. It's probably milliseconds or whatever, but so. it takes more time, which is difficult for comprehension if you're focused on getting from one line to the next. I mean, it just sort of builds on each other, and that that. Uh, you know, holding your place where you are. If I look away for a second, copying from the board—good lord, that was um, that was like a tearful moment. Mm. The teacher saying, "Okay, let's put this on. You know, pa- copy this on your paper." And I mean, that uh, no, so it was hard to copy. Yeah, so it being was able so to. Hard. So do you feel like
1: you kind of lose your you lose your place? Like you go to the board, you finally figure out where you are, and then you come back to your paper, and you're like, "Well, wait, where did I leave off?"
3: Right. Well, mm-hmm. the other thing is, they may be writing in cursive. Right. Mm. I may be writing in print. Their letters are going to be bigger because they're on a board with kids, look, you know, a bunch of kids uh, or, or a number of people looking at it. So it's going to be a bigger um, size-wise than what I'm writing. So we've got a size, we've got a place for it. I'm tracking what she's what's doing. What sorry, what's going on on the board, and then my eyes are going back to my page, and I'm listening, trying to listen at the same time, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just, it's a lot and. Just the visual part of it is, can be mm-hmm. a lot. So um, how did, did they, when you went and had that
1: evaluated and diagnosed, how did they, what, what, how did they help?
3: So I, um, I had, I'm, I get lost everywhere. Anybody who knows me knows I'm always lost. <laughs> um, and I have a spatial issue. So okay. when I'm walking down the hall, I will probably bump into something if You're I'm not judging completely here.
2: alert. Yes. yes. Poor visual spatial skills, mm-hmm. right? Um and yeah, take, you used to talk about how you had bruises all over your body yes, and you didn't know where they'd come I from. I did.
3: I would run into things and I'd have a bruise and um so I kind of, you know, doing what I do, I sort of was you know, kind of lured myself to the fact that I think I might have that what's going on here? And so I went in and um, went to a... Is it a neuro... Vision um, Associates? Visit? Yeah, Dr. S. No, no? I went to... Um, vision Advancement. Vision so. Advancement. But okay. a special optometrist uh, Yes, a neuro-optometrist. she an optometrist, I guess, or ophthalmologist? Yeah,
1: like a developmental optometrist, mm-hmm. I think, is what they're... She
2: specializes in learning-related vision issues.
3: Right, and since we're not talking about... Um, the acuity, acuity yeah. right? I already have contacts. Um, but so I went and spoke with her, and she did a couple of tests. Um, and she said, Yeah, sure enough, you have visual processing disorder. Um, so some of the treatments are you know, you can wear um, what we call prism glasses um, for a certain amount of time. And those work differently than regular glasses because the regular glasses, when you want to see something, you know you put on your glasses and it works and if you know and then you take off your glasses and you can see with
2: um, you are back to your poor thing back to
3: your bo- yeah um but with these glasses they sort of sort of like reading therapy does it neurologically opens up some of the pathways in the brain so that it's almost like a cure i say with quoted fingers you know mm-hmm. um air quotes um And so it's kind of a a fix after a certain amount of months. Um, It's like wearing braces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, And then there's eye therapy that you can do um, Mm in-house. So have you noticed a difference? Have noticed a difference. That's and awesome. I actually saw Dr. Vary um Monday. Oh wow. And she said you're doing so much better. You can kind of start to wean yourself off. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. So, that so is you're awesome. graduating. And I don't have as many bruises. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. That is
1: awesome. I love that. Yep. Okay. So can we go back now to what you do? So you work do you work with kids and
3: adults? I I have in the past. Usually, you know, my caseload right now is just kiddos, anywhere from Pre-K, kindergarten to, um, I think the oldest kiddo I have right now is in 11th grade. Okay. Um, That's almost an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I I like to do language therapy. I do math. I do organization skills, study skills, things like that. So it's sort of whatever, whatever's needed, whatever the struggle is.
2: But did you start... Primarily with focusing on students with dyslexia and then you expanded or did you just say, I want to work with students and help students. Struggling, yeah. Struggling I, in I, everything. I
3: started with language therapy because mm-hmm. um, that's what my certification was in. And then I realized I can also do math. You know, it's a challenge when mm-hmm. you're doing 11th grade math. Sure. Um, but um, I, I like the challenge and, you know, I like to be able to sit across from a student who, you know, kind of thinks like I do and, and their brain is like mine, I um, has a dyslexia or ADHD or, or maybe auditory processing disorder. I don't have that, but I work with kids with, you know, mm-hmm. on that. Um, and it's just amazing to me. The first thing I, well, I don't know about the first, but one of the things I tell parents when I talk to them for the first time and students is, you know what, I have dyslexia. And it's pretty severe. So here's what's going to happen. You know, you and I are going to be reading. I may be reading to you. I will look at the word saw and I'll probably call it was. And you can say to me, Miss Stacy, that says saw, you know, <laughs> um, and you can gently correct me and I'll do the same for you. And then we can just giggle and move on because I've learned that, you know, it just can't be that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um And my kids love that. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, turn to page thirty-two. Wait, no, twenty-three. You know, and it's like, eh. and you know, of course, dyslexia is not only about flipping numbers and letters. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, for the most part, that's where you know the kiddos catch me. Catch you. And I say, see, there's my dyslexia showing up. You know, or or whatever it it might be. It makes them
2: feel good to know that you became a successful adult. And you're smart, and you do you work with other kids, and you have dyslexia and ADHD. They and ask me that processing. a lot, and
3: Stacey. You have all these certificates on your wall. How did you do all that if you're dyslexic? How can you teach me if you have ADHD and you know? Mm-hmm. And I say, because you know what, honestly, I worked my butt off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hard work is okay. Yeah. You know.
0: You and did, so hard. that's it's what not I that told that You can't
3: them. do it. Yeah, it's not. Th- and you're gonna miss some parties. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, mm-hmm. in college, you're gonna right. Or, gonna or miss some, some fun time, yeah. or whatever. But this is, you know, you've got, you've got other wonderful things on your list. This is just one that's gonna be hard and, and a struggle for you, and it doesn't go away. I'm sorry, bud. You know, right. it's just
2: here. Here's what it is. But it can get easier.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can get easier.
2: And you worked very and hard. hard, and you got really far, and you used all the resources that were available to you and the supports. And there's so many more resources now. Oh I mean, it's so unfair, right? Yes, like the, even just with
1: technology.
2: Yes, you know. Yes. so many schools that speech are speech to text software, text yeah. to speech. They didn't have that when we were in school. And I books. yeah. Even
1: well, books on tape. Did they? They did (laughs)
2: have books on tape, tape. yeah. Yeah, I had
3: that, yeah.
1: Um, so if you if we had a parent that just got a diagnosis, their child just got diagnosed with dyslexia Mm or or ADHD or visual processing, what, what kind of advice would you give that parent through all of your struggles? I mean, I feel like you've you've had you had great experience with your parents, yeah. What advice would you share with that parent?
3: So, you know, sometimes parents call me and they are frazzled, they're overwhelmed and they're anxious. And so, um the one thing I don't want them to do is to transfer that onto their kiddos, you know, cuz kids can feel that even mm-hmm. maybe a subconscious thing, but um so sometimes I say let's just let's have a session just us first so we can understand what it means and how to work with your child. Because what they need from you is encouragement to be their biggest cheerleader and to understand that it's difficult without, you know, there's a fine line between, um, knowing that your child is struggling and wanting to do everything you can for them and doing everything for For them them. and basically teaching them that you can't do it. So I'll do it for Mm -hmm. you. There's a message there, you know, that kids receive. Um, so let's find out where your child is. Let's understand what's going on what the diagnosis means. Mm -hmm. And, um, and let me help you help your child, right? You know, um, if you can um, give them, you know, two things to do. go upstairs and grab your laundry basket. instead of five things,
2: <laughs> you know, you and
1: are then getting mad at them when they can't remember them. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. yeah, so let's um let's expect things that are fair and that they can do, yeah, based on, you know, their diagnosis or whatever. But of course, um, I love that you don't help them ever, to understand ever,
2: ever. that diagnosis yeah. and you encourage them to have high expectations, too, to say that right. just because your child has dyslexia doesn't mean they're incapable. They are right. very capable and so absolutely that's something i know you encourage them to keep their expectations yeah, and i think up.
3: that's where i you know you model behavior right in any relationship mm-hmm. and i think my parents modeled that for me as a kiddo because i i don't know in my head there's nothing i can't do you know it may it may be really ch- hard that is you huge. know but it's awesome um i'm i'm willing to take the challenge that is awesome. Great. So if people
1: want to find you or yes. have questions for you, what's the best way for them to find you?
3: Um, my website is a good place okay. at Stacy Harari.
1: And we'll have, that in the, we'll have that in the show notes. Uh-huh. And so they can reach out with questions or. Absolutely. To see if you're available. Do you do any virtual work or do you have everything in person? I do. Okay. I like
3: zoom. You can do the screen share. So that's easy mm-hmm. for math or language. Awesome. Um, one of my favorite things is just. A consultation, working with parents, um, and to help them understand what's going on, what they can do, That's and awesome. and here's what we're doing with your child that seems to make sense. So let's use that when you've got spelling words in the classroom here's what we're doing in, in my office. Mm-hmm. And so let's transfer that to home. Let's use some of the same vocabulary so we can be consistent. That's really That's So I, I love to do that with parents too. Good. Well, Thank you yeah. so
1: much yes. for being here. We yes. appreciate yes. you sharing your story. We so, so appreciate and, it. And, you know, we don't hear a lot of stories like yours and that you, it's all very positive and you had such great support from day Done. one. Right. And to hear, I mean, we see so many people that get to your age and have, Depression and anxiety because of all their struggles. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're like the polar opposite, right? Yeah. Like you're like, whatever, I got this.
3: I, yeah. this. She's very I love
2: confident. it. Yeah. She's got, you know, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, you business. several certifications, yeah. and a very successful, thriving private practice. How long have you been in private practice now?
3: Um, I want to say about 12 years, 12 give years. or take, something yeah. like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Good so for it's, you. A, it's a great
2: story.
1: It is a great Thank story.
3: You. Thank Thank you for
1: sharing Thanks with so us. We, we will have that. all of Stacey's information in our show notes. Um, if you guys have any questions for us, or want to recommend a topic for us to discuss, let's talk learning disabilities at gmail.com. And we are super excited because our podcast website is. It's got to be days before. I mean, it's we're so going to be any
2: day now. It's in so, the. It's cool. almost almost ready to be released we'll keep you in so the loop on that so watch that. watch for
1: information about that as well so all right well you guys have a great day thanks so much for being here and yeah come back next for episode for our next uh, interesting living with series we'll keep you posted on that as well have a great day take care
0: thank you so much for joining us today in our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.